time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 139 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And we kiss them too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house in historic Gettysburg, PA, Bantam Coffee Roasters. Holly, and what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Today we're drinking the absolutely delicious Swiss decaf with notes of plum and strawberry. Decaf? That doesn't happen here. Just kidding. Ah. We're we're drinking Ethiopian today. But you can get decaf at Bantam Coffee Roasters. And where can we find all this delicious coffee? BantamRoasters.com. And follow them on Facebook and Instagram. We're not drinking decaf, no. Never. (laughs) So are you ready to sip some Real coffee (laughs) and chat. I am, but first, a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubbly Farms. This month, you can receive 30% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a longtime subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats. Orders $40 and more ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubbly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein. It's perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code CWTCL30 for 30% off your first purchase. Try it today. So let me just start off by saying we're deep in summer and it's hot, hot, hot. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. We're down here in the recording cave where it's nice and cool. It's like winter (laughs) in the recording cave. Which is welcomed today. Well, generally, we're, we have blankets and stuff on, but but I'm like in a sleeveless dress and I got bare feet. It feels good. In our recording studio, we have a plethora of chickens on blankets and Holly Ann uses a sloth Christmas blanket. That's right. <laughs> Ella gave me the sloth Christmas br- blanket. It's my studio blanket. But I literally have bare feet today. It feels good. I know. It's nice and cold down here, but feels good. The chicken studio cave. <laughs> So how are you doing otherwise? I'm doing great. We're hanging in there. I always say this, the dead of summer and the dead of winter, it's so much animal work. You spend so much time trying to keep the animals comfortable. I've already changed water three times today. I think I did too. At least that. Pete and I were on a relay. Like every 30 minutes, one of the other of us was going out. It was just easier rather than trying to put ice in there mm-hmm. and have it melt instantly because it's 96 or so degrees Right. to just every hour or so run out and put ice cold water in. Well, And when you put your hand in that water, it's hot. Yeah. It's hot. And they don't want to drink hot water. No, and you have to keep them drinking. So, I mean, we've moved a lot of the waters to the shady areas. Yep, that's I've done that today too. Yeah. It's hard, you know. And then tonight when I leave here, I'll go do all the work. The sheep get hot, but they'll generally just stay still in front of their fans or in the shade. The alpacas, I actually have to hose their legs and bellies because yeah. they get so hot. It's hot. It's hot for everybody. Somebody mm-hmm. can hose my leg and belly too. Well, come on over tonight when I'm working <laughs> on the alpacas. <laughs> they'll be like, hey, Chrissy, get out of our field. No. You're hogging the hose. Hog- hose down. You are hogging the hose. <laughs> it's crazy how much the weather plays into our daily routine. Oh, Yeah. My dad, he has been a weather guy from way back. Not a real weather guy, but one of those but, guys that loves to talk well, about the weather. I guess that's where I get it from. He's a post he's a former postman and yeah. you know, he was he was a walking postman. Yes. So the weather mattered. Yes. And it was like the weather, it does kind of if it's nice outside and you go out, you're like, oh, okay, everybody's gonna be great today. Mm-hmm. If it's so hot it takes your breath away, you're like, oh no, if it's so <laughs> cold that you freeze in place, you're like, oh no. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're deep into the season. So it's that hot from now well, till September, basically. And you know, in the wintertime, everyone's, I'm just, I'm talking about on social media. Everyone's yelling, you need cold hardy birds, get Orpingtons, get Cochins, get Brahmas. Right now, those birds are hot. Yeah, my Jubilees. The Jubilee Orpingtons are hot. They're really hot. The other Orpingtons, the lavender and my buff, they've handled it better. Mm-hmm. They're a little older. Right. And this is the other thing, the Jubilee, this is their first summer, right. really, because right. last summer they were babies. Yes, that's right. That's right. So they were in the garage most of the summer with a fan. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, oh, what the heck is this? My Jubilees are hot. The hottest of my birds right now is Emma, the Silver Lace Cochin. Yeah. She's, she's feeling the heat. 
But, you know, she keeps drinking. I'll see her down in the dirt. Yeah. They're all in the dirt, digging around, getting in that cool area under mm-hmm. there. The babies are getting so big so fast. <laughs> My babies are huge. I'm like, what happened to babies here? I got to get well, them up on social a little bit more. We have the rescue rooster, who Pete has renamed Rambo, Rambo the rescue rooster. Right. And Rambo is right now still in a pop-up in the garage. Our plan of integrating him with the Nankins did not work. The Nankin boys were not having it. Oh, yeah. They were like, you look way too different, dude. Yeah. You're out of here. It was not having it. So we're building him a run next to the bachelor flock, and I have to finish building his little coop, and we have to get the run put together. So for now, he's in a pop-up in the garage next to, and we did have him in quarantine. He's out of quarantine. He's in a pop-up next to the baby's big pop-up. Yeah. And he really got very protective of them. But now they're starting to be bigger than he is. <laughs> he's a little man, but he's got much fierce stuff oh, about him. Oh, he is fearsome. Mm-hmm. Before we move on, I want to give a shout out to Chelsea Adams. Mm-hmm. Because she just got some modeled Javas. I know. And they're the prettiest babies. And she sent us pictures, and they're the most adorable babies in the world. And do you know why? Why? Because they're named after us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea. You made our deck. Okay, so the, the Javas are Holly, Chrissy, Fiona, and Coffee. Best names in the world, man. I have man. no more to say. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Chelsea. A Thank shout out to you. We got your picture. They're adorable. You know, you know what else Chelsea has that I really love? Chelsea has a crested duck named Bob. <laughs> That's my dad's name. <laughs> well, you know what? You, apparently her son named the duck. You know why the duck is named Bob? Why? Oh, because of the hair. You know, the fondue? Yes, but probably not the reason you think. She's named after Bob Ross. (laughs) Oh my god. So, if you're listening to the show and you're loving it, head on over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for the growth of our show. And while you're there, hit that subscribe button because there's two reasons. The first is you never miss an episode. And the second reason is it really does help our show grow. If you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, you can share your favorite episodes on social media. You can tell a couple of chicken-loving friends about the podcast. Or 1,000. And we have had a lot of referrals lately, so thank you. Keep up the good work. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can check out our Etsy shop. We have new tank tops. Get a tank top because it's hot out there. The mug, (laughs) we're going through the mugs. The tank tops look great. We're going through the mugs fast though. We only have a few mugs left. But those tanks, I mean, it's the time to get them, man. Absolutely. They're so comfortable. You can become a patron of the show, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. A huge welcome to all of our new patrons. We have got quite a crew on there right now. It's awesome. Fantastic. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our website or our show notes, use our affiliate links and discount codes, and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you about the chicken love box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the mega box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the February box, I absolutely love the red iron rooster trivet and the seed block. I really love that egg timer. It's going to be great when I'm baking. And those chicken stickers are going to be awesome on notes I send out. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. The Breed Spotlight is brought to you by Murray McMurray Hatchery. Defining quality for generations. For over a century, Murray McMurray Hatchery has remained a trusted family-owned business, working tirelessly to ensure our poultry meet the highest standards. Whether you are an experienced enthusiast or just embarking on the journey, look to McMurray Hatchery for guaranteed quality rare and heritage breeds, 
low minimums, and all the supplies you need to raise your flock. Request a free catalog today. Da, 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 da. It's time for Breed Spotlight, yo. Yes. <laughs> yes. Breed Spotlight this week is... The Galois Doré. I'm French. You are French. <laughs> you are French. Christy no one ever French. thinks my accents are correct, but that does not matter to me. No, I've never known it to slow you down <laughs> at all. No. It just makes it more fun. So the Galois, Galois Doré means golden Galois. Golden Galois. 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 More like Galois, I think. Oh, like gallbladder? This is the gallbladder chicken? Well, it kind of is because it so is. So this will be known as the gallbladder chicken? <laughs> <laughs> the Galois is another very old breed of chicken. They are the oldest breed in France. And every time you see the French national emblem, the cockerel, right. it, it is a Galois. Galois. <laughs> 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 and I even made a note for myself. It's I difficult. I saw the note. I was like, it's Gaul. It's Gaul. Galois. The name comes from Gaul, which is the ancient name for France. G-A-U-L. Gaul. Geography. And it means of or from Gaul. That's very. That's, that's very where they're from, man. right? They're from yeah, they're from France. So the- we're of Maryland, <laughs> <laughs> of Maryland. <laughs> where before that you're of Sicily. I'm of la da da da. I'm of Italy. Mm-hmm. You're also of the UK. You're of England too. But I'm of Maryland. <laughs> of, of Maryland. Okay. <laughs> okay. The Galois are the foundation breeds for so many other European breeds of chicken. Well, being an ancient breed, you're going to be exactly. a foundation breed at that point. And that includes the very popular breasts. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that chicken has just gone on like a big spurt of popularity. The breasts, I know. When we did our first little breed spotlight on the breasts, it was a bonus episode, our first mm-hmm. year of the podcast, so 2000. Mm-hmm. It was our Patreon, but we did it as a bonus. We put the first right. Patreon out as free. Right. And the breasts, like no one had ever heard of the breasts. And the next thing you know, that spring, they were everywhere. It exploded. If you so, talk to the girls over at Greenfire Farms, they can't keep that chicken in. I know. I know. So the Golois are an extremely rare breed. They were believed to have gone extinct during the mid-20th century. So, like, from the 50s and the 80s, everyone believed they were just gone. They were hiding in a cave somewhere. Is that what it was? Yeah. Or riding a bike through a winery. With a baguette? (laughs) Yeah, probably. Well, luckily, there were a few remaining birds. They were discovered in the 1980s. The 80s, everything came back, man. Well, the 70s and 80s, yeah. So, conservation breeding started then. I couldn't find any original sources for this. I did find some written accounts and some recorded oral accounts that place the Gaulois with the Romans at certain points in early history. And why not? The Romans had everything. Right. Well, we're talking about, like, again, the first century. Exactly. Now, remember the story we talked about two episodes ago where the Romans let the cockerels out near the corn to predict whether it was a good time for a battle? If they eat the corn, it was an auspicious day, blah, blah, blah. Well, one source that I saw claimed that it was the Galois cockerels that were used by the Romans for this particular war divination. And let me tell you, they probably always ate the corn. Seriously, the battle was probably on every day. <laughs> the same account also said that they kept them caged and didn't feed them. That's horrible, first of all. Well, number one, it's horrible if it's true. Number two, even if you fed them, they're still going for the corn. The corn is like a candy treat for these chickens. <laughs> That's like putting a Kit Kat in front of somebody or every cupcake. day. Yeah. It's like, if you eat this, I will kill you. Or if you eat this, you'll start World War Three. I'm going to take you down. Oh, can you? I, like, you might sit there and look at that cupcake for a minute. Like, am I going to eat this cupcake? I'll be like, pass it over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating the damn cupcake. <laughs> I cannot pass up a cupcake, man. Uh, it would be pretty hard. Anyway, okay, back to the birds. Or ice cream. If you put ice cream in front of me, it would be bad. I might be able to. Anything dairy. You're like, look, yeah, I don't, don't like, want to get yeah, sick today. It's for the good of the world. I'm not going to eat this. <laughs> Plus my stomach. <laughs> yeah. Play yeah, that. The Golwas are standard size fowl. They come in though on the small to medium side. They are. We're looking at pictures. Of course, we have pictures up on our laptops of these birds. And they look smaller. Definitely. Now let's look at sizes. Roosters are coming in at about five to six pounds, and the hens are at about four to five. They're one step over our bantam, basically. I my note I said they were like leg bar size or maybe leghorn size. And we know the leg bar and leghorn, there can be different size variations mm-hmm. within those. Yeah. You can have one a little bit on the bigger end, one on the smaller. Right. I have Cornelia, who's on the bigger end of the leg bar, mm-hmm. and then Peggy, her sister, who's on the smaller She's end. She's very petite. Who's under four pounds. Mm-hmm. 
And that's her normal size. My franny leg bar is just about four pounds on the yeah. nose. But these chickens, they're going to be better for you if you're in a, a warmer environment because mm-hmm. they're smaller, right. first of all. Right. Let's do They have straight combs. And well, the standard on the French Breast Galois Club, the standard that they list calls the comb small, right? But to me, it doesn't the, look small to me. Right. All the photos on the website that I looked at showed a large straight comb. So the note I put in here is maybe this is a translation error because that's not a small comb. Did you mean grande? <laughs> Spanish, I know. <laughs> I don't know. But yes, it, especially the boys have very large combs and the girls do too. So in some cases, I saw some of the girls that actually their comb was starting to get ruffly and, and flop a little bit. Like, yeah. This is not a small comb bird. You're so, like, well, maybe it's a translation error, yeah. but who so, knows? Anyway. So they do have blue legs and a moderately upright tail. Now, to me, my eyes see the hens looking like Wellsummers, but they do have a different tail than the Wellsummer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So think Wellsummer when you think the hens, that's kind of what they look like. Color-wise, I thought they're cartridge, similar, kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, in that coloring. The Breast Goloise Club lists two color varieties. Golden and yellow partridge. Right. Golden partridge, yellow partridge. Now, in the French version, so what I did is I looked at the English version of the club website, right? Mm-hmm. And then I went into the French version because I could see there was a lot more there. Did and they translate it for you? They translated an English page, but it didn't have anywhere near as much information. So I was cutting and pasting the French into Google Translate. Oh, man. And I repeatedly saw a reference to a golden salmon. I think that the yellow partridge and the golden salmon might be the same bird. Right. I'm guessing. I'm also guessing that the group imported by Greenfire Farm are that golden salmon Mm -hmm. because the hens look the same as some of the French hens in the club website and they have that variety listed. You could argue that their breasts are sort of a salmony gold color. I think they are the same. It's a really cool chicken Mm -hmm. with a lot of years behind them. We can confuse this a little more because Greenfire Farm listed as a red-breasted black bird. (laughs) So So whatever kind of color you like, just order this chicken, you'll get it. They're very pretty birds, very pretty birds. This was interesting to me. I thought that they have that same plump, round little body that the Solmtaler has. Remember we did the Solmtaler? Uh-huh. Back in episode 115. Right. That's another very, very old European breed. I'm trying to look up the golden here too. Okay. While you're looking, I'll keep going. Keep going. The Goloise are considered dual purpose, but they're also becoming popular showbirds in their homeland. Okay. Now the Greenfire Farm picture on here, that's a large comb. It is a large comb. I think the, I honestly think it's a translation error. That's a large one, both all, the girl and the boy. All of the cockerels I saw, both on Greenfire's site and on the French site and any other site about this chicken, mm-hmm. they had big combs. I got a big comb, baby. But they are very pretty. I think those hens, to me, I mean, there's a little something else there. But just look at the coloring of them. They look a bit like like beautiful mini Wellsummers. They look like Wellsummers. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. I mean, if you look at them, that's kind of what you think. They even have the white earlobes. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Does Gertie have white earlobes? Gertie has like whitish earlobes a little bit. Okay. But what's different is on a well summer, you would have yellow legs, not right. the blue slate legs. You would legs. not have the blue slate legs. I love the blue legs. I think the they're blue gorgeous. legs like throw it off a little bit for me because that's so different when you're yeah. gonna, what you're going to see on a partridge chicken. A lot of the old birds have blue legs. Yeah. But they're so cute. They're a mm-hmm. good small chicken that's a standard size chicken, but smaller so that if you have space restrictions, this might be a chicken for you. You could fit. Three Goloises in your coop where you can only have two something else. Exactly. Exactly. The, the roosters are absolutely gorgeous. They are. They show tons of flash and color. Like they reminded me, not in physical appearance, but color-wise, they reminded me of the Swedish flower roosters. Yes, of Casper. All those colors. Mm-hmm. Golds and bronzes and green. So pretty. They are a beautiful chicken. They would be a very nice little chicken couple. You could have a chicken wedding for them. It's great. <laughs> You could. (laughs) You could. I mean, it would be great. Okay, so let's go into the eggs, because I'm sure everyone is curious about these eggs. Mm -hmm. They're medium and large. They're white eggs, hence, which we could have called before this. They have white earlobes. And they're going to lay about 180 to 200, so they're at that average or so per year. And they will go broody, or they're 
They're pretty persistent broodies. Yeah, I've read that over and over. They When they go broody, they want to stay broody. Yeah, so if you need a chicken to go broody, this might be one for you. Mm-hmm. If not, you're going to have some broody problems in the summer. I mean, if you're trying to do an off-grid homestead, that's a really good habit to have. But if you're just keeping these girls for their eggs, yeah. Like me? Chuck them out of the box. Apparently, they get right back in. They're like, excuse me. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm going right back in here. It's you those, cannot stop me. Those little nankins do that too. Oh, my God. The Orpingtons, the Favreals. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Well, my Jersey Giant hens are six. And both Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Agatha Christie have been taking turns in that box, throwing yeah. shavings on their back. And yeah, I was like, no, you're too old and it's too hot. I went out midday the other day because, okay, June, the Buff Orpington, and Angelica, the Sema Favreals, were both in a box in the morning. I'm like, <sighs> okay, you girls are laying your egg. Go back out a little while later, still in there. I'm like, okay, but it's not that much longer. Go back out again. I'm like, oh, no. Get out. <laughs> and I pick up Jude, and she's got four eggs under her. Oh, no. Like, at what time you let somebody come in and lay an egg, and then you just sat back down? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, no. It come co- on out. It's way too them. hot to be sitting in there. I think, well, you know how I am about collecting eggs. I'll do it twice a day if yeah. I can. But some evenings, if I'm not at home and Pete puts the chickens and he doesn't get the eggs at night, Oh my gosh, they could be sitting on there all night long. Well, I think that's what happens. I think the Jersey Giants wake up and they're looking in the boxes and they see the eggs. And the next thing you know, I pick them up and there's five or six. There's a whole clutch under them. Yeah. It's from the night before. You would think they're older, that they would be like, I'm not dealing I with told babies. them. What are you girls doing? Get off the nest. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. So more than one source reported that these birds were very active and somewhat flighty, but... In the literal sense. Like, literally, they they'll will fly, take flight. Because they're little, <laughs> right? right? But they can fly because they're small birds. Yeah, yeah. So because of that, we recommend that you build very large, very secure aviary-style runs for your galois. Yeah, because you don't want them getting out and well, then flying into a tree, and then next thing you know, you're climbing a tree to get this bird. Oh, God. Well, they're super rare too, and they really do need to be guarded from predators. Yeah. So why are you going to buy the rarest of the rare and try to get them breeding only to let predators pick them off? Now, they do fairly well in most climates. Mm-hmm. So in the summer, they're going to be great because they're small. They've got the big comb and waddles to help them with the heat. In the winter, they will need a little assistance because of the that same reason. Yeah. Yep. They're smaller. They need those comb and waddles protected. Mm-hmm. So you may want to use a coop heater with them and keep them comfortable. I found with my smaller body's hens that they do get cold too. The Fayomis really get cold. And I'll see Franny the leg bar on the cold side. So even if you're in a warm region, because of the absolutely crazy weather swings we've been having, it's not a bad idea to have a cozy coop heater on reserve. Or five. I have like six of them. I don't even, I'm not even going to tell you how many (laughs) I have. I think we would call this bird heat hardy. They're not too tolerant of frigid temperatures at all. Yeah. They're small bodied. I mean, anything small bodied gets cold faster. Absolutely. Okay, so right now in the U.S., the gallwas, <laughs> yes, the gallbladder chicken, <laughs> need some good breeding programs. Okay, they they need some help. They would make a great homestead breed, with some caveats. They are probably excellent at garden cleanup and compost management. The caveats, of course, of what we just said. They're they not need, cuddly. They're not cuddly that we know of. I mean, who knows? You know. If you like them, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to win them over and see if you can make pets out of them. It's somewhat of a challenge to me. Now, I don't pick birds that generally are going to have that personality, but I do have a leghorn. But you don't have any Fayumis. No. And it's a challenge to me to be like, okay, I'm going to make this bird cuddly and sweet. Whether it wants to be or not. Now, I have a leghorn that everyone said, oh my God, you got a leghorn. And she- I didn't say that. No, you didn't. But most- People are like leghorns, oh no, you know? But this bird rides in the car, she snuggles and sleeps on me, so it's a challenge. So Mm -hmm. don't let what you read or what you hear keep you from getting a bird that you want to get. Except the Fayumi. I really do think you need to be very- Oh, yeah. You need to be very prepared for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not a question, like be prepared, but then try your best. Absolutely, yeah. You know, to win it over. Okay, so here's the important drum roll, please. Da-da-da-da-da. Where do we get them- Greenfire Farm is currently the only source in North America. They imported the Galois Dore in 2021, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be available for fall shipping. Check the website. They might be available for order now. I think they just unveiled them. Okay. Get yourself a Galois. Yeah. 
the French. They are really beautiful birds. They're so I, yeah. pretty. And if you like the well summer, it's like a mini well summer. Mm-hmm. You're really going to like them, but with blue slate legs. Those blue legs get me every time. So pretty. <laughs> okay. So if you have the gulwas, I said it properly that time. You did. Yes. Well done you. Send us pictures. We'd love to give you an Instagram story. Please. Yeah. We would love to see them. If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera. Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill. Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite resistant. Your chickens will love it. Quick shipping from Nestera.us. For a 5% discount, use the affiliate link in our show notes, on our website, and on Instagram. Link in bio. Check them out today. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We personally use Roosties products with our chickens, and we're huge fans. They have their awesome nesting pads, do-it-yourself feeder and waterer kits, and they've just released their best product ever, a new chick feeder and waterer set. They have adjustable legs to keep food and water clean. They're super well-made, and the feeder even has a removable lid so it can easily be filled from the top. So if you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, all their products are available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Check out the Roosty store on Amazon or follow the link in our show notes. Okay, so let's move on to main topic. Yeah. 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 Okay, so this week for main topic, we're doing two small main topics And the first is we want to take a little something that we've been getting some questions about and explain it so that you understand it. And what this is, is we want to explain heritage breeds versus hybrid breeds. And what are the differences between the two? Because there is some confusion because not everyone knows. Right, right. And no shame in that if you don't know. If you haven't been slavishly reading chicken things like a geek for the last 20 years, how would you know? That's okay. We're here to tell you. So it's come up. And we get this question. Especially after our talk at the Backyard Chicken Summit. Especially after that. A lot of people were asking the difference. So a heritage breed chicken is one that was developed and or traditionally kept in a particular geography. Correct. For instance, the Polish was not developed in the U.S., but it was traditionally used in the U.S. Right. Another example would be the Rhode Island Red, developed and used in the U.S. Exactly. The Orpington. Yes. Heritage breeds have to breed naturally, so no artificial insemination, and they must breed true to a certain standard. So they're a breed to a breed. There is no switching and swapping of, I'm going to bring in this breed to breed with my Orpington and still have an Orpington. You have to have an Orpington and an Orpington, and that's what makes it If you're struggling with this, think about purebred dogs. Right. You know, two boxers make a boxer. In this case, to be a heritage breed, you need two parent stock of the same breed and the babies need to breed true. It's exactly what you said with dogs. Dogs of a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. That's what I have three of. They would be a heritage breed. Right. Now, if you go and you get a mixed breed that you don't know what it is, that would be a hybrid. So it's two different or three different whatever you want to put in to make one new chicken. Right. So pretty much everything we talk about on this show is a heritage breed. That's part of our mission is to promote and protect heritage breeds because we think their genetics are so important. Now, hybrids, and we're going to state right off the bat, there's nothing wrong with the hybrid. If you have hybrids, there's nothing wrong with them. They have some issues that can crop up that we will talk about, but they have, in general, really awesome gentle personalities. And the best thing with a hybrid is if you want one, they do have great personalities to go in educated and knowing what you're getting into. Right, exactly. Because if you go in blind and you get the sweetest chicken mm-hmm. and you lose them in two years, you're going right. to say, why? Right, right. And it was probably nothing that you've done. It's just the way it is with a hybrid. So hybrids must always have the same particular parent stock. So most hybrids are a mix of a couple of different breeds. Right. So you might have a hybrid that is half barred rock, and half New Hampshire. And it is very important with hybrids, which one of those breeds is always the male and which one is always because the female. Because that will, that will change their color and appearance usually. Right. Now, hybrids do not breed true because every generation is going to be parent stock, hybrid offspring, mm-hmm. parent stock, hybrid offspring. So there's no standard for them because why would there be? It would be a waste. So you could get They've, one with a very small comb and then one with a bigger comb. Right. And there's nothing that you can do about it. Right. 
Now, they've generally been bred. In the beginning, there was by breeders who were breeding them for maximum egg productivity. By the mid-20th century and onwards, they've been developed by genetics companies, mm-hmm. essentially to make them super layers. That's the main objective of a hybrid breed, that's right. usually. Is, and Well, the other new factor that's coming in, egg color. Right. Big agriculture and the genetics companies did not care if these birds died in two years or four years because they're laying with- They're just overbreeding, breeding, breeding, breeding. They're creating tons of them and their laying would have slowed down by, say, the second year anyway. Right. So they were considered- pretty disposable. And then there's the problem that a lot of hybrids will develop reproductive problems. Well, when you have an increase in egg laying, you have an increase of hormonal activity. Right. You have an increase in hormonal problems. Right. And that is one of the main things that can help shorten the life of a hybrid are reproductive cancers, reproductive Anything reproductive, something, you know, even as simple as being egg-bound that's not simple, but... They tend to have less, sometimes as much as 50% less genetic material than the heritage breeds do that makes them less hardy. Cancer essentially is... It's a mutation of cells. It's a mutation of, of cells, genetic cells. Right. It changes your genetics. So they don't have a lot of reserves to fight this. All those wonderful, wonderful hens that the British Hen Welfare Trust rehomes, mm-hmm. they're all hybrid layers. Right. And they have a few good years of laying after, even after they get done with the farmers. Right, They right. still will lay eggs for the people they, they go to. They generally do still lay eggs. They slow down so drastically even, that commercial layers don't want them. Right. They're pretty much considered disposable at that point. Heritage breeds, they do tend to be older breeds because before the genetics company started developing hybrids, People wanted that good, healthy stock. Right. These breeds were, they were generally developed for a specific place or thing. A blue egg layer may have been developed just because it lays blue eggs. Right. But another breed, say the leg bar, was developed so that it was autosexing. Right. So most heritage breeds have a history. But recent breeds can be heritage breeds as well. Right. So if a chicken breed fits into one of the classes of the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection, say the American class or the English class, etc., and the bird breeds true, then it is most likely a heritage breed or a modern breed that will become a heritage breed. Correct. For instance, the Bielefelder will probably become a heritage breed. Yes. I'm kind of, I'm like, why isn't it already? But it's not. not yeah, just, they just haven't gone through the channels or it hasn't been long again. The Barnevelder is a heritage breed. Right. Yeah. Just think of geographically where they've come from mm-hmm. and it's, Two of the same chickens every time. That's heritage. The Livestock Conservancy does an amazing job of promoting and protecting American heritage breeds. Right. But not every heritage breed is an American heritage breed and doesn't always fit into their criteria. Right. The Barnevelder, for instance, is not an American heritage breed, but it is a heritage breed. Right. So. So there we go. Now we're going to get ready to move into our next topic. And this is one that we find really important. And it's going to be a condensed, shorter version. But is my chicken sick? What are the signs? And what should I do every day to look at my chicken? This is essentially our quick exam. What to look for so you know what's going on with your chicken. Right. So we're going to be talking about the things to look for before they're even going to show signs. Or the very onset, the very first times they're going to show you something, a glimpse of what might be the start of a problem so that you can catch it before they're going to really show you. Right. That's the ideal. You need to be able to intervene very early on because chickens, and this is like a lot of herd or flock animals, they're super stoic about illness and injury. They're animals of prey. So they, they're like you said, they're stoic. They don't show pain on their faces. They don't show anything because that's going to get them killed. Right. So they're protecting themselves both from predators and the rest of their flock. Yeah, because they're mean girls in the chicken coops. They're like, there's something wrong with her. Let's kill her. Yeah. that's. They're not like, let's get a bed made for her. Let's right. get, boil the water. They're like, uh, she's got something wrong with her. Take her down. Exactly. So they have to hide it. So there are things that we need to do or different ways to look at them every single day. Right. Because they're trying to mask any symptoms they may have. Right. So, and if you're new, the best thing for you to do if you're new to chickens, I think is to just go do practice exams on your birds. Well, just to sit and watch them. And everyone that says too. Both it's of those so things. peaceful. 
It is. To sit and watch habits because right. chickens are animals of habit. They will do the same thing over and over again. And if they do something a little different, it might be your first clue that something could be wrong. Now, you're talking about going in every day, handling them, and doing the 10-point exam, basically. Right, right. And that's something that we all do over the years we've learned to do with our chickens. Right. Now, and again, if you're new, we're going to talk you through this. A couple things to remember. The first thing is that when you contact a vet with a problem, they're going to ask you some questions. Right. And already doing this exam gives you a lot of the information that you need to supply to them. Right. And the same goes for if you email us. Right. We're going to ask you some of these questions. Right. So when you let your chickens out in the morning, first thing that I'm going to talk about before we even get to the exam, and I just mm-hmm. mentioned it is habit and watching them come out and right. watching what they do. If you have a chicken that comes out every single morning and runs directly to the food bowl and then doesn't, there could be a problem. Like one morning you open the door and she's not getting out first. If yeah. she's out first every day, runs to the food bowl, and then you open the door and she's last out and, right. and does not go to the food bowl, that could be your first clue that something I could be going wrong. I would say that ca- that bird is a candidate for an exam. And then that's who brings up who's the candidate for an exam. Right. So there's different places. So we're going to start at the if, top of the chicken. Yeah. Like even if you see a bird that looks extra sleepy, just grab him and give him a look. If you see a bird that is staying to themselves. That is a clue right, that not, something's wrong. Not partaking in treats if you have treats out. Not right. anything that's out of the ordinary. Right. So let's start with the very first place we want you to check. The very first place we want you to check is their head and face. And when you look at their head and face, you're going to be looking for comb and waddles and color of their face, their skin, if they're normally very red, if they tend to look pale, right. that could be an indication that something's going on. Are they losing feathers on the head and the face? Right. See, missing feathers, any blood on their, on their head or their comb or waddles, anything like that. So you want to look for that part first. And then on the face, the second thing we want you to check are their eyes. Yeah, the eyes tell you a lot. So you're going to look for any kind of discharge or gunk in the eyes. Right. You're also going to look for a bird that's bright-eyed who's right. looking right at you. If they're sleepy and, and their eyes are looking closed, that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. The same thing with number three the nostril and the mouth. We're going to look for discharge coming from the nose. Is it wet? Does chicken noses or nostrils should not be wet? Right. Are you seeing discharge from there? Is the mouth okay? Did they get into a skirmish with somebody overnight? Mm -hmm. Just check those things. Now, number four is one of the most important checks. The keys to your kingdom in a lot of ways. Number four that we're going to tell you is a check that you need to, it's almost my number one. Yeah, we went logically down the bird's body. And this is the first question we're going to ask you. What does that crop feel like? So knowing where the crop is, what a crop is, Mm -hmm. and what to feel, what it should feel like in the morning. So what we're going to tell you is the crop is basically a storage facility on the outside of the chicken, but inside under the skin. It's a pouch that comes off of their esophagus. Right. And it's located down where? Above their breast, in between their breast and their head. And more to the right side of the chicken. And if you think of it like this, it's kind of like our stomach, but it's the equivalent to our stomach, but it's on the outside and it stores the food. So what happens is all the food that the chickens eat all day, when they go into sleep, their body metabolizes it and works it through and it goes and it should be empty in the morning and flat. Right. There should be nothing there in the morning. Right. It should be empty. If it's not empty, then you want to feel that. And then you want to know... If it's not empty, what does it feel like? Right. Is there fluid in there? Is there hard, something hard? Is there food in there that's not digested? Mm -hmm. Does it feel like a water balloon? That's the phrase that most people use when they're describing sauerkraut. Right. Or or a crop that has a bacterial infection or a yeast infection. Actually, once you've felt it, you'll realize it does feel like a water balloon. It feels squishy and filled with fluid. The other thing is, for number three, for the mouth, Uh always... Open that mouth and give a little smell. If there's a bad smell coming from the mouth, that is another sign of sauerkraut. It is, although not all sauerkraut has that bad smell. No, that's from a yeast sauerkraut. Sometimes bacteria can give off uh, a scent you know too. But I've had birds with yeast sauerkrauts that didn't have the bad breath. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's another thing to check for. It may be... It may be a clue. In some cases, it can absolutely be a clue. In other cases, not. So don't hold that as gospel truth. But if you do smell it, there then could you be a problem. problem. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so the crop is 
one of the main things that can go wrong with a chicken. Absolutely. So knowing where it is and what it should feel like. At night, it should be big and full. In the morning, it should be flat and right. empty. Right. Okay, so let's go down to the number five. So your breast and keel. So the keel bone runs up the center of the breast. Right. They can get keel abscesses. You can tell a lot about a bird by feeling their keel bone too. Some birds have a naturally protuberant keel bone. Right. But by and large, you should feel nice breast muscle on both sides of it. Right. Now, what you just said, the keel blister abscess can occur where they can actually get a little infection in the skin over the keel bone. And when that happens, it means they're laying too much. Right. And it's usually a symptom of a greater problem. It usually is. It's usually not just the keel blister. Right. But that can be a, a sign to you that something could be happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next is the abdomen. And I think the main thing you're going to feel for the abdomen is whether or not there's any fluid in the abdomen. Right. So under the tail, under the vent, that's basically their abdomen. Right. And you want to know, on a normal day, does that chicken feel mushy or fluidy on a normal day? Because mm-hmm. if you feel that, that could be the sign that there's well, a problem. Well, sometimes the girls with a lot of padding yes. can feel a little bit like right. squishy, squishy. But that's just Fat. huggable. That's just huggable chub. That's not... <laughs> It's not necessarily fluid. So you want to know the difference between yeah. that and fluid. Yeah. So feeling that area just to make sure. Now, number seven's under the wings. We're going to look the feathers all over and make sure there's nothing broken and right. make sure that we're not seeing any creepy crawlies under there. <laughs> yes, indeed. And make sure there's no sores or anything like anything, that. Anything, anything under that. You're just going to give it a good look, yeah. And then the vent. And the vent is another really big indicator of problem. Right. And if you look at the vent and the area around the vent, if you see discharge from there or anything like that on the feathers, that could be a sign of a problem. It's one of the main places you'll see creepy crawlies too. They love the vent because it's It's warm and moist. Yep. Yep. So that's the next area. And then nine is another important area, the legs. Yes. You're going to check for all kinds of things there. So you're going to look and see that the scales are all flat. Right. You're going to make sure there are no abrasions or cuts, any swellings. You can feel for heat in the legs. Yes. These things. Make notes if you find anything because, again, if your bird needs to go to a vet, they're going to ask these things. And then number 10, which (laughs) is another really important area to always check on your chicken, the bottom of their feet. And the main thing you're looking for is cuts, abrasions, or bumblefoot scabs. Yes, So if a chicken is laying down a lot, that's another one of the first places that I'm going to look is the bottom of the feet Mm -hmm. to see if there's a bumblefoot going on. Right. So those are the 10 different places that once a chicken changes their habits at all, you're going to look. Did we talk about like poopy butt on the vent? No, but on the vent, I was saying you could have discharge like vent leak, but you could also have if they're having diarrhea, you could see feathers Mm -hmm. on that vent area. That might be a sign, hey, let me take this a stool sample to the vet and make sure there's no intestinal parasites. And a lot of, we get a lot of questions, people seeing discharge and thinking it's automatically vent gleat, but it's not necessarily. No. It could just be a poopy butt or all kinds of things can be happening back there. Yes, for sure. If you familiarize yourself with doing this check over, it can really help you avoid some panic if you do find a chicken that's not feeling well. Right. And you can also catch it early. And I can't say this enough, but watching habits change is going to be your first Absolutely. So take the time in the morning, in the evening, and just watch, relax, and watch them on a normal day and see what they do. And when you see a chicken do something different, that's going to be your first clue to go do the 10-point check. Right. To go through and say, okay, this looks okay, this looks okay, this looks okay. It also gets your chicken used to being handled, and they learn to trust you a little more because you're taking them, you're lifting them, you're looking at things, and then you're returning them safely. Right. And it really helps to build trust. It does. And then you can hug them while you got them. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So if you have any other questions about this, just DM us on Instagram, Facebook, or email us, and we will get back to you as soon as we can. And with any of your questions, we have no problems answering all of them. We are here for you if you ever need help. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move on to cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. Now, this week we're doing easy salad niçois. Yes. I love me a good niçois salad. It's an easy salad with a fancy name. <laughs> yeah, it is. 
<laughs> well, I mean, we we did a lot of cheater stuff in this one because like it's hot and we don't want to do a ton of cooking. And I never do a ton of cooking in the summer, I feel like. No. So the cheater here is you can buy yourself just some small red potatoes for this. You can yeah. steam and boil them yourself. Or you can buy the small red potatoes in the steamer bag. In the frozen section. And just steam them in the microwave. Yeah. If you're avoiding plastic, again, you can get them on their own. You don't have to get the plastic ones. Right. Ditto for the green beans. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't feel like clipping those ends off those green beans, you can get them in the frozen section. Yeah. Frozen is the best way to go if you're going to not use fresh. Right. Go frozen. Right, right. So you want a can of tuna. You want a half to a quarter of an onion thinly sliced. I always have, my onions always turn out chunky, man. I got to get better at slicing them really thin. My mom has never been able to do a thin onion, so I just coined them rustic. (laughs) Anything she does with onions, it's rustic cut. That's me too. Yeah. You want about a quarter of a cup or more, if you're like us, pitted niçois olives. Olives are my favorite. Delicious. I just get cans of olives, open them up, and just eat the whole can. Why not? They're good. (laughs) Then you want a few tablespoons of chopped fresh herbs. If you're growing them, great. If not, you can usually get them in the store in the produce. Yeah, so we have listed here parsley, thyme, chives, marjoram. Yeah, I have marjoram in the garden right now. And some mixed greens. Yeah, like about half a pound or so, depending on, you know, if you're a big greens eater, then get more. This, you can eat can't as many greens as you it, want. Right. You can't go wrong with that. Okay, so now here's the part where you're going to add your three hard-boiled eggs, peeled and quartered, or eight bantam eggs. Yes. You can't really go wrong. If you want more or less, yeah, you eyeball how much you want However in there. you want, right. This is just another way to use your eggs. That's right. In everyday life. It's delicious. Cup of cherry tomatoes. I like the little ones. But if you get the bigger ones, just have them. I always, you know, with my salads, I always half them for some reason. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're just easier to eat. Probably, yeah. The girls are like, we like it when they explode. But yeah, but sometimes it makes a mess. Exactly, right, right. (laughs) Now, optional, you can do a tablespoon of capers or if you happen to have any, pickled nasturtium buds. Yeah. Because they can double as capers. And then you want a balsamic or a lemon vinaigrette. Or really your choice of dressing. And you're just going to mix everything together. You're going to do your steam or your boil, you know, open your stuff, blah, blah, blah. I usually toss all the greens together with the vinaigrette Mm -hmm. and put them on a platter and then put everything on top. Right. Do you chill all your stuff before you put it on? No. I do sometimes. I like a a warm salad. I like a warm salad a lot of time, but sometimes I want a cold salad. So It depends on like when I'm serving it. So I'm serving it for a lunch. I make cool things. Right. But sometimes for a dinner, there's nothing better than a warm salad. I like warm stuff on salad. It's really delicious. It's actually a really good thing. And the tuna you can always add in. You You can fancy it up. You can also add anchovies or you can substitute anchovies for the tuna if you prefer them. And you can take the tuna and make a little bit of a salad out of the tuna first and then put it on too if you want to. That is not Niswa salad. <laughs> That's cheater tuna salad. <laughs> hearty tuna salad. That's really hearty tuna salad. It's very hearty. It sounds good, but that's not Niswa. I'm a tuna girl. I love tuna any way you I put do it too. in there. It's good. Okay, so here's a great way to impress your friends. Like Holly Ann said, take a big platter, put your greens down first, put everything on either warm or chilled, and serve... With some serving spoons and white wine, and talk some chickens at lunch. Yes, and that's then take how we one of it. our dessert recipes and make a little dessert and have a whole little lunch party talking chickens. Well, like you ate salad, right? So you can have half a peach pie. Everybody needs to come on over and have a chicken party with us. Yeah, I like that. That would be a great idea. Peach pie all around. It's not peach season yet, but I'm looking for the peaches. I was Soon. Che- I was checking the peaches on your trees. Soon. <laughs> Soon those deer will be in here. But the crab apples look great on your tree. I know. They're looking really good I this might, year. It might be a year for some hard cider. The deer would be like, are we are we going to DiCarlo's for peach dinner tonight? Oh, God. And then they put their feet on the trunk of the tree. We bought an Asian persimmon. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have to be fenced off from both the deer and the sheep. Yeah. They so, love it. Yes. I love persimmons. Okay. So try it. You might like it. Send us a picture of your salad and serve it and have a friend chicken party. Maybe you can come to ours one time. Our friend chicken party. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. yeah. This week's retail therapy, we are talking about Primo Guard, an all-natural poultry spray. And this one's newer on the market. Yep, new product from the company Primo Guard. They have several different things, but this is specifically poultry. They have an entire line for humans, for everything mm-hmm. else. So if you go on the website, 
look under the products and you would get to the poultry spray. Right. The poultry spray, it's an all-natural pest repellent that works on lice, mites, ticks, and fleas. Repellent. Repellent. So what it does is it prevents, so it's not a treatment. Right. You're not going to be able to kill a load of creepy crawlies if you have that. And who was just asking us, on our live, we did a live today between recording and we got some questions about what we use for a bug repellent. Repellent, and yes. this is the answer to that question, right? So Primo Guard did send this to to us for a, a review. review, and we really like it. The main ingredients are clove oil and cottonseed oil. So that it uses the essential oils, and this is what I like when I like using essential oils. They're tested and they're done scientifically. Well, they are diffused into glycerides. Right. So even if you get some on you or your chicken gets some on her, it's not going to burn her. Right. So and this is a spray that you're going to spray and then you're going to let it dry before you let the chickens back in. So when I stripped my coops the other day, I sprayed the roosts and I sprayed all the nest boxes right. really well with this. Right. It smelled really good. Let it dry and then put your shavings exactly. back in. And you know, that's the key is prevention. And essential oils and things like that, they're good for prevention. Right. And they're a repellent because there are certain bugs that hate the smell of these oils. Oh, yeah. And they will go nowhere near. And the list of the different mites and stuff, it's all on the website that they repel is really large. It is. So, you know, this is a spray that you're going to spray in their coop and then their environment. I'll tell you, if I had birds with lice or mites or something like that, you know me, I'm going to do an ivermectin treatment. Right. And then... I'm going to strip my coop and I'm going to spray it down with this to make sure no more bugs get on them. Right. And then, of course, with the ivermectin, you're going to treat a couple more times. Right, exactly. So you can use this in conjunction with essentially a pharmaceutical treatment. And the nice thing is everything's proven to be they have 100% proven to kill mites, ticks, fleas, and lice, and that it's non-toxic. Right. So that's the other thing that they're saying is that this is Mm non-toxic. You should definitely let it dry. It's safe for everybody. Body, safe for the chickens. Yeah. And it uses clove essential oil and cottonseed essential oil. It smells really nice. It has a nice smell. But I like that it's done by a company that has had it tested. Right. And know that it works. Right, right. Yeah, I, I don't have anything bad to say about this. No, it's a great product. Just keep in mind that it's not going to kill an infestation. No, it's not going to kill. It repels. Right. And it says it right on the label. And it's it, a repellent. Exactly. And it does a good job. Yeah. Okay. So try it out. Tell us what you think. See if you like it. Mm-hmm. Look at the website. Yeah, we have it linked in our show notes. Okay, so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Oh, next week. We are spotlighting the absolutely beautiful Silver Rods Blue. Yes, we are. Big topic, Bumblefoot. It's a big one. It's the truth about Bumblefoot. It's everything you need to know about Bumblefoot. And there's some personal stuff that we're going to tell you in that main topic. There usually is. Yeah. (laughs) There's plenty. Hit home a little. It's hit home. So cracking the eggs, stuffed peppers. One of my favorites. They look really good. And Retail Therapy, we're going to tell you all about our favorite Coop fans, different ones we use. We've had a lot of questions about this lately, too. And Coop fans are really important right now. Yes. Okay. So what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them, too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.